Today's guest on the Birth Experience with Labor Nurse Mama is Dr. Playforth. She is a board-certified pediatrician and a mama of three whose mission is to create a safe space with practical educational content for parents. You can find her on social media. You can also find her on her blog, thepediatricianmom.com. Join me today as we talk about your first pediatrician visit with your brand new sweet little baby. I am so excited to have you on here today. I think this is going to be such a good podcast for my mamas and for my parents to be, to have the insider track talking to a pediatrician. So I am just happy to have you. Welcome to the birth experience. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, every baby needs to see a pediatrician. So these are inevitable questions that people have and I think get very stressed out about. I agree. And I feel like a lot of us feel like the pediatrician is like elusive and not down to earth and not touchable. So I think it's really cool to have you on here to be able to bring this like real side and this normal, you're a mom and you're a pediatrician and you've been where we are. Because I tell people all the time, like when I was in labor, I was not a labor nurse. I was a laboring mom. And I think that's really important for moms to know that we go through those same questions and fears. And sometimes everything goes out of your brain when Mm -hmm. it's your baby. (laughs) It's so true. That was actually one of the most shocking things for me after I had my kids. I had been practicing as a pediatrician for a few years. And then the level of empathy that I gained from understanding how how much worry you have and sometimes how primitive it's almost like this primitive brain takes over that it's all just visceral it's deep emotions when you're worrying about your own kid and that gave me a whole different perspective on being a pediatrician and also adding in that initial lack of sleep and sleep deprivation that can change everything so i think the topic we're going to talk today is about preparing for that very first pediatrician visit with your newborn and i think this is so important because you're exhausted when you go to that first appointment. And I was preparing for this interview with you and I was laughing because my baby number seven, Grayson, I forgot my diaper bag. (laughs) And I was leaking everywhere. He had a blowout. Luckily, the pediatrician's office had diapers. Side note, they usually have diapers. But it was such – and I sat there crying. I was feeling like a failure because I forgot the diaper bag. How would a mother of seven forget – her diaper bag. And it was like, oh my gosh. So I think it's really cool that we're talking about this today. So the very first thing I want to ask you though, and I ask all my guests is to tell us a little bit about your birth experience. And we've talked about how that has affected you as a pediatrician, but just like a real quick overview of your own birth experience. Oh yes, I would be happy to. So I have three children aged seven, four, and one. So I'm right in the thick of it with a lot of parents. My first was, we had a plan. It was going to all be 
like a traditional vaginal delivery. We weren't planning on a C-section or anything. And then she had a non-reassuring fetal heart rate. So we went through the entirety of labor. I pushed twice and they said, nope, not doing this. Got to do a C-section. So it was an urgent C-section type situation, which was terrifying. And then after that, we ended up doing repeat C-sections. And I think that I grieved a little bit initially about having lost what I had believed to be the plan, but it was a good lesson that you can have plans and kids, the kids haven't read those plans and they do their own thing sometimes. And you've got to, one of the most important things I learned over the years is not everything is in your. I think that's so important to know in parenting in general, Mm -hmm. and it can be different with each child. I feel like with mine, like I'm like, oh, I've got that down. And then a new personality comes along (laughs) and I'm like, okay, I don't have that down at all. Not at all. So I think that's awesome. And I love that because, you know, one of my birth classes is the VBAC lab. So I am very passionate about that, but I'm passionate about my mom's choosing. Yes. What they want and what's best for them because we know we have a say and we have a right of saying, okay, this is the best plan for me. And then I call it a birth map because just if you're going on vacation, if there's a roadblock, you Mm -hmm. don't just turn around and go home. You make the detour. Yeah. So I think that's how we have to look at birth and parenting Mm -hmm. in general. made a little list of what I wanted to ask you. But to get started, I thought, what would you say would be like, let's say they're what to expect. Let's talk about what to expect at the appointment. And then we can talk about how to prepare for the appointment. I think that's a great place to start. I'm going to tell you, I forgot the diaper bag for my second baby also. And if there's any place where it is okay to forget the diaper bag, it is the pediatrician's office. I promise nobody is judging. Uh, We have all been there. And um, I think almost every day that I see newborns, I have crying parents in the office and I get it. You're, there's a lot of emotion. There's It feels like a lot of pressure. There's That appointment feels like this is your first grade in a way of how you are doing in, in this adjustment to parenting. And that's really hard. So I think the, the setting your expectations and rec- recognizing that your pediatrician hopefully has experience enough to know that you're doing your best and they're probably they're hopefully empathetic enough to to make you feel like you're doing your best although I get that sometimes in some settings particularly with rushed appointments it can end up feeling different than that yes um, I agree and I did write that down but let me go back just a little bit when is the first appointment? Okay, good question. So you have your baby and then your baby should be assessed by a pediatrician right away, like within the first 24 hours, and then usually once a day. Now, for most people, that's going to happen in a hospital setting. And within the first 48 hours, every single baby is going to lose weight. That is normal to do. But based on the amount of weight that the baby has lost and also just how things are going and what other risk factors there might be, for example, if the baby has jaundice, for example, the pediatrician discharging you from the hospital is going to make a recommendation about when to see the doctor. That first appointment is usually within 48 hours, but sometimes it's the day after being discharged from the hospital. 
Okay. I think for me, because I had my oldest when I was young and my youngest when I was old, things have changed a lot in certain (laughs) aspects, but I think that has pretty much stayed the same. And I think for a lot of moms and dads, they appreciate that immediate appointment because they're feeling so unsure about their choices and their abilities. And I think it's a good check-in. For them. It's a great check-in. And then after yes. that first appointment, you will make, again, a plan based on what's going on. And that's the thing. Like, you can't always predict. You might need to come back the day after for a jaundice check. They may say, don't worry about it. We'll see you next week or the week after that based on how things are going. Okay. And so what happens at the appointment? Let's so the appointment break that is down. designed to check in on the baby and to check in on you and to make sure that everything that needs to be done was done. For example, a hearing test, blood, blood work, that kind of thing. But what they're going to do is they're going to check the baby, examine the baby head to toe, check weight and recheck the height and the head circumference, and then talk to you about how things are going, especially in terms of feeding. For most parents, that weight loss is actually a little jarring. You don't expect your baby to lose weight. And so setting the expectation that your baby will lose weight, but there is there are parameters and we don't want them to lose more than a certain amount of weight. So the weight check is probably one of the most important parts of that. And then ideally, they should be checking on your sort of adjustment and your mental health as well. Even if that's just a brief kind of how are you doing? I think that sometimes that piece gets lost, which is unfortunate. But as we recognize some of the adjustment transition issues, and as mental health becomes more in the forefront of people's minds, I think that more and more pediatricians are making a conscious effort to do that assessment. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I have my birth classes and a part of the birth classes that I offer that makes us a little bit unique Mm -hmm. is that I meet with my girls once a week. We call it the happy hour and we meet via Zoom. So I see them face to face and a lot of them come back throughout postpartum. I tell them they get a year of postpartum, but they can come for as long as they want. But one of the things that we recently talked about was feeling like, so I had a mama, second time mom, who struggled a lot with postpartum anxiety. And she felt like a lot of her answers to that, what's it called? I'm losing. Yeah. It was blown off as normal. And she was really struggling. And the person who was asking her was like, oh, that's really normal. And it wasn't normal in her case. And she felt like it wasn't caught for her. So what would you, like, what would be your thought on that? If, because I feel like, how do you work? I feel like a lot of us as new moms, we're feeling these things, but we're so afraid to say it's worse than what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So just in those instances, like my mama who she knew it was worse, and but she wanted to hear it wasn't. And the person who was assessing her was like, oh, that's so normal. I went through the same thing. Don't worry about it. But it wasn't. And that's mm-hmm. why that's there to catch it. It, it. There's a tendency to dismiss all those feelings as normal. And maybe that person who was talking to your mama was trying to be reassuring. But those screens are designed, they're validated and they're designed to catch things. I think 
I had a mom tell me once, this was many years after she had her baby, and she told me those first few appointments, she made such an effort to put on makeup and to look put together because she was so terrified that the pediatrician would think, oh, this person's not doing a good job and potentially even call CPS. The fear, the deep fear that you will be judged as inadequate led her to actually do the same thing where she dismissed a lot of what was going on with herself because she just wanted to present this picture of being together. And I would say any pediatrician who has experience with this will understand that it's impossible, basically impossible to be together in the postpartum period. And what you want is somebody who you feel like you can be honest with. The goal at the end of the day is your well-being and your baby's well-being. And you guys are on the same team. And ensuring the parent's well-being is part of ensuring the baby's well-being. And I think that's an important thing to point out is that a lot of moms are afraid to say, I'm thinking these crazy thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling these crazy things. And if I say it out loud, they're going to say I'm not fit as a mom. But I really want you guys to hear us when we say that is not the case. We want you to say it out loud because sometimes just saying out loud, then we can come up with a plan of action that will help you cope and help you deal with it. Exactly. I know a pediatrician wants to take a baby away from their parents. And these things are common enough, actually, that if we know about them, then we can make a concrete step-by-step plan and help you feel maybe even a little more in control. I think that's, yes, it's so important. It's so important. And I'm glad because we've come a long way in mental health, come a long way in helping moms realize like you're not the only one who feels this way. (laughs) And just sleep deprivation in its own can cause some crazy thinking. So, and that's one of the things that we talked about with this particular mom during our happy hour is even remembering that your baby is a separate person from you. And when a separate person enters your space and causes problems, it's okay to be upset about it. It's okay (laughs) to get upset at your own baby. Okay to feel these feelings. Like I remember as a new mom, I wasn't so much of a new mom, but I had a mom come alongside me who was way further in her mom journey. And I tell my girls all the time, she gave me permission to not always like my children. (laughs) And I was like, That was so freeing because they are separate people with separate personalities. And when you have this little person who might be screaming eight hours of the day or biting your nipples or Mm -hmm. something to that effect, it's okay to be upset about it. And it's okay to be angry. That doesn't mean you're a bad mom. It doesn't mean that you are like this horrible parent. We all get mad at our children. We always get, we all get (laughs) upset at people who invade our space and change our life. And that's normal. It's what you do with that. And that's one thing like I w- we were talking about as a group is it's okay to lay your baby down in a safe yes. space and walk away. Yes, exactly. And I think also parents sometimes, especially first-time parents, need permission to grieve that life before. Um, I remember feeling awful because so my first baby had terrible reflux and some colic and we were struggling with weight gain. She was quote unquote, failure to thrive. And the first few weeks, I remember thinking, I wish I'd never had this baby. And then I was horrified because 
there are people that really would love to have this baby. And how could I even think that? It must mean I'm a terrible mom. But I, what I missed was the freedom and the flexibility that comes with not having a little person attached to you at all times. But it didn't mean I was a bad mom. It just meant that I was grieving a different phase in my life. I think that's really valuable information because <laughs> I think we all go through that and feel that. And even I love it that you pointed out because I had two that the same thing that were failure to thrive. My older one, my second one ended up being the milk protein soy mm -hmm. allergy. I'm pretty sure my first one as well. He's now 26. So it, we didn't know that back then. Yeah. Uh, but- I think that's important too. Like, how do you walk through parents? Here you are a pediatrician. I'm a labor nurse and we have babies who are failure to thrive. So I think that how do you walk through these new moms when you tell them something they might not want to hear that makes them feel like they're doing something wrong? With compassion and with gentleness and with recognition that they're still doing their best. I like to talk a lot about control in parenting and your baby not having read the book because you could be doing everything completely by the book and some babies just are small. Two of my babies are small. My third, the third is huge. And I did nothing differently. It was a real, it, really, it was a great lesson in you can only control so much. And I, so I like to approach it from that perspective that we're on the same team. Our goal here is a baby who has all the calories they need for their brain to develop, but also setting expectations about growth charts, because I think a lot of people see the percentile as almost a grade, the higher, the better. And the truth is that as long as it, we don't, I don't care too much how a baby compares to other babies. I care how they compare to themselves. So if they are maintaining their own percentile, that is success. Hey mama, did you know that we are offering an incredible deal on our five powerful birth workshops from our last fearless birth experience? If you check out the link in the show notes, you can grab all five workshops to watch whenever you want and share them with your birth coach or your partner. You also get an interactive workbook and worksheets for each class. Class one is all about labor pain. Class two is all about unmedicated birth. Class three, how to share your birth plans. Class four, confidently coping during labor. And class five, how to push like a boss. Now, you can grab all five workshops for lifetime access for $24. The link is in the show notes. Yes, I love that because my 16-year-old, well, she's just turned 17, has <laughs> never been on the chart. She followed it below it. She's now 17. She's 4'11". She's tiny. At a year old, she looked like there used to, I don't know if you remember the show, Allie McBeal, but she had this, mm -hmm. they had this computerized baby yep. that walked that looked so weird. That was my daughter. She was so tiny. She was like 15 pounds at a year old. She was tiny, but she's just tiny. And that's her. And that's then her. I had my son who was on the 95 percentile always still. He's six four. So it's, I've had one to the other. And so I agree with that. A lot of times we do, like I tell my girls all the time, my pregnant mama is like, I wish that we would stop 
having these standards and look at individuals mm-hmm. because I think it's so important. I had Grayson at 42, but I was way healthier than my 20-year-old patients that I was caring for. So I think it's really important, but that's a whole nother side note. <laughs> okay. You did mention rushed and hurried. And I think that's one of the things I hear all the time about prenatal and pediatrician visits. So yeah. how do our new moms, new parents handle when they feel like they're being dismissed or they're rushed or they can't get a question in or they feel like they forget every. That's mm-hmm. another thing I think as soon as they get home, they're like, oh my gosh, why didn't I ask this? And why didn't I ask that? Sleep deprivation will also interfere with your memory. So <laughs> there's that. I think it's hard. The way a lot of pediatrician offices are set up and not through, not because of the pediatricians, but just because of the way insurance companies set incentives, you need to see a certain number of patients in a day. And so the length of appointments that are, that pediatricians have or the length of time has been diminished. I remember that I needed to do well visits in 15 minutes at my old practice, which to talk about everything in 15 minutes for a teenager or an infant is impossible. And inevitably, you end up glossing over certain things. So I think there are more pediatricians moving away from that model. And especially for a baby that maybe is a little more complicated, or if you just really want that that time, talk to your pediatrician and see if they are able to accommodate that. But if they're not, then maybe they're not the right fit for you. Not because there's something wrong with the pediatrician, but just that that practices model is not the right fit for your family. It's okay to change. You're not committed right away. You want to find somebody who you can be honest with and comfortable with so that you can call and say, look, I'm worried about this thing or I forgot to bring this thing up and it's weighing on my mind. Can I just really quickly ask you? The other thing to do that can help is actually scheduling your appointments earlier in the day when you don't have quite as much backup and so you're not waiting as long because I think when you're waiting, especially if your baby's sick, you're frustrated and you're flustered. And usually the pediatrician is running behind and maybe they're frustrated and flustered a little bit too. And that's not necessarily the most conducive environment to feel not. And then I recommend writing down your questions or using the notepad app or something like that. If you're usually up at all hours thinking anyway, and you're with your phone, writing down the questions if there's something on your mind, if there's something you are particularly concerned about, oh, I think my baby has a flat head, or we're really struggling with constipation, then bring that up early, or may, or let them know when you make the appointment. I'm particularly concerned about this, so that you can make sure that is addressed. Okay. I think that's great. Another, for me, I found that sometimes the first visit after lunch also could be a good visit as well. That's what I did with my midwife because she was a talker. So I had the opposite. (laughs) I knew that if I were not the first one, I would be waiting forever. And she spent as much time as I wanted. (laughs) But I also worked with her, so it was different. But yeah, so the first appointment in the morning and then the first appointment after lunch tends to be a great time to have a visit. I'm trying to think of some other ones. I guess the last one and one that I tend to avoid on social media now with my girls in private during our happy hours, we'll chat about it. But I avoid, and one I wanted to just ask your opinion and your thoughts is immunizations. And what I see is an extreme one way or the other. And 
So I don't go there publicly, but what do you say to parents or, because I know the one big thing that I'm seeing a lot with some of my parents, especially out West and Northwest, is that they have a hard time finding a pediatrician if they're not doing the typical norm immunization plan. So what is your thought for that or for moms and dads who are unsure or where do you send them for education or what is your take on all of that? I think that recognizing that each parent is trying to make the decision that they think is best for their child and starting any conversation from that place of compassion is key, right? In both directions. I think a lot of parents who want to do something maybe not traditional or what they deem as controversial, this came up at This morning when I was doing a live and someone asked about tandem breastfeeding and they were nervous to bring it up. If there's something like that that you are nervous to bring up, I think there's a tendency to bring it up defensively or to be aggressive about it. And that's not necessarily conducive to a productive conversation in either direction. And bringing it up with compassion and and honestly with respect, there is... you. for in terms of immunizations, I think most pediatricians feel quite strongly and some of what is happening in the world right now in terms of outbreaks are a result of misinformation online. And so what you want is a pediatrician who's willing to hear your concerns and to address them or to guide you as to where to find evidence-based information. I always found it very valuable to tell my parents what I did for my own kids because truthfully, I'm not going to recommend something to your child that I wouldn't do for my own child. And that would be true of most pediatricians. And if you're worried about it, the other thing is there's a tendency in our generation that gets a lot of our information online to feel like you have pressure to do all your research yourself. And while I agree that it's important to be informed, you know, recognizing that there is expertise beyond what the websites show or the influencers and that your pediatrician has a goal of keeping your child healthy, starting from that point in the conversation can be really helpful. Yeah, I think that's really important to note that anybody can put things online. Mm -hmm. Anybody can write a blog post or an article. So making sure that you are getting information from someone who is educated, Mm -hmm. an expert in that field. I think that's really important because I feel like there's just, I was telling my girls, I remember when I first became a labor nurse that one of our parents refused the bath and they called Child Protective Services on her. Oh, wow. Sorry. Yeah, so it's there there are some bizarre things that happen. Yeah. And we as a culture, we have ebbs and flows and we go through these changes and I know even with getting the urethromycin ointment and mm-hmm. the vitamin K and the hepatitis B, I think you're right. It's about doing your due diligence evidence-based care and understanding why things are done. Yeah. And and I and I tell my girls too for their birth map, we don't refuse anything just because we can. Right. We need to know why is it used? The interventions are there for real reasons. And yeah. thank God we live in a day that we have interventions for birth. But when is it necessary? When is it out of convenience? When is it out of curiosity? And knowing those differences can make, can give you that sense of feeling 
like you're a part of that decision-making process. And I think that's important in being educated for your baby and the choices you're going to make as a parent because those new parenting choices start during labor, during pregnancy. And they feel enormous. The enormity of each decision feels like it weighs on you. And the truth is that for most decisions, what you decide may not matter that much in the long term, but it doesn't feel that way in the moment. Yeah. Oh, and I tell, this is something I tell my girls all the time. If you make a mistake, you make a mistake. It's okay. You learn from that mistake and setting up boundaries. And a lot of people have a lot of opinions about a lot of things, but this is your child and you're going to make mistakes and that's your right as a parent. (laughs) We make them. And you may do it completely different with baby number two than you did with baby number one. I always laugh because I have a picture, like like, you know how you are with baby number one. And then I have a picture where I didn't even save Grayson. I left him wedged between the bed at the hotel, the bed and the dresser because he was like wedged and (laughs) took pictures of him. Baby number one, I would have been like, oh no, he's wedged. But baby number two, this is a great great picture opportunity. Yeah. And I think we just we just change and the yeah. things that scared us and the things that worried us just aren't the same as they were. So I'm so glad that I had you on today. And I tell everybody where they can find you and what are some of the things that you offer to these new moms and these new dads to help them feel confident in their choices. I'm, it is such a pleasure to be talking to you about this And it's such an important topic. Pediatricians are people too, and many of us are parents. And I write at thepediatricianmom.com, and I'm on Instagram at thepediatricianmom. And I basically try to find a way to... I've been working on creating a database of information that's accessible to parents so that they don't have to Google. Because like you said, anyone can write a blog, and there's a lot of misinformation on Google or just a lot of extreme information that causes you to spiral. And so I write answers to a lot of the common questions that I think a lot of the parents forget to ask their pediatricians in visits and just review some of the evidence and try to provide information without any fear mongering. I love that. And how amazing is it that we as parents have access to labor nurses and obstetricians and pediatricians and experts in these fields? Like I did not, you guys, I did not have that when my older kids... these people, these experts felt untouchable and that they weren't real people. And I love it that we're able to bring this realness. Like I tell my girls all the time, yeah, I'm a labor nurse, but I'm also a mom and I'm a real person and I'm a wife and I have the same struggles and the same fears. And there were times that I got up over the crib and was scared my baby wasn't breathing and shook the crib to make sure. Mm -hmm. Just Yes. So nice to be able to see that realness. And I love that you're doing what you're doing. So thank you so much. We may have to have you on here again and talk about some other really important topics because I think it's really great for these parents to have access to you. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It has been such a pleasure. And yeah, I'm always happy to come on. You know what? I just realized I always end with asking, what is your superpower? And I do this <laughs> because I want us as women to to build ourselves up and stop tearing ourselves I down. I love it. I love it. It depends on the day. There are days where I think my superpower is actually just getting food on the table with three kids. So things are often chaos. And sometimes that's all you just do your best. But over the years, particularly with the pediatrician mom, I think that I have become able... I'm better and better able to answer 
questions and provide scientific information in a way that's just very like not complicated, very straightforward and just easily understandable for somebody who without necessarily a science background. So that's the superpower that I'm using to create the pediatrician mom. I love that because I do the same with labor and delivery, break it down in a way that it's understandable. So I can't end without mentioning that when I asked you this in the form that you filled out, you said that your other superpower was convincing your children that they're on a cleaning crew. (laughs) And I laughed out loud when I read that. So let's give these mamas who are just starting out a handy dandy tip for later. (laughs) So I think that was my peak parenting moment. And I am not convinced that I'll be able to do it again ever because now my kids are older, but I convinced them to uh, clean stuff and to create a cleaning crew just for, in the end, it was fake money, monopoly type money, but I convinced them to do that. And they were really enthusiastic about doing it. And it's happened three times, but I think my seven-year-old has cottoned on to the fact that this is maybe me taking advantage of them a little bit. When my I, so I have seven and the most of them are adults now. And then I have a 17-year-old and a seven-year-old. But when the older ones were all little, we had what we called a 15-minute cleanup. And I would turn the timer on, turn music on, and everyone would get a basket or whatever. And we would race around the house and it was like a game and get all <laughs> the stuff cleaned up and everything would be nice and cleaned up. And it worked. So that was like our little – but I never paid them. <laughs> Sorry, the guys. timer, though. <laughs> is really probably the key. There's something about making it a competition that makes toddlers just really excited to do it. Yeah. And mine were all the way from eight, nine down to two or three. And they all participated and they just throw stuff into the baskets and then take it to the right room. All right. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. And I thought this was a great talk. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hey mama, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the birth experience with labor nurse mama. I was so excited to talk to Krupa, Dr. Playforth, about your first pediatrician visit with your brand new baby. I hope you took notes and I hope this helped you and I hope you feel prepared. As always, leave a review, hit subscribe, and join us again next Friday for another episode. Have a fantastic week. Bye for now.